Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. Today I've got a really interesting episode for you. It's a swap cast with Barbecue Beat podcast. So if you're familiar with Kevin's work, he's got a great podcast. He's uh, he's in the United States over there and he covers the scene over there. And he actually uh, decided that he wanted to interview Smoking Hot Confessions to find out a bit about what's happening in the barbecue scene here in Australia. So we've arranged to uh, to exchange media files. So today's episode is actually the recording that I did with, with Kevin uh, for his show Barbecue Beat. So if you're not following him yet, make sure you look him up on uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, The Barbecue Beat Podcast. Give him a follow. He does some great work. He's, uh, his audio quality is always great. He knows how to tell a good story and he uh, has some great interviews on there as well. There's loads to learn. So without further ado, let's get into this barbecue swap cast with The Barbecue Beat and Smoking Hot Confessions. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. With your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Hey, everybody. It's Kevin with the Barbecue Beat Podcast. And I am here with my very good friend, Ben Arnott from Australia. He is, what, what I, I got a good word, like captain, head of, big, big chief, big kahuna, involved with the Smoking Hot Confessions Podcast. I have to say the internationally acclaimed and award-winning Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Ben, so good to have you hanging out with us tonight. Thanks, man. Mate, it's great to be here. Thank you. And uh, it's it's 10 o'clock in the morning for me over here. So I've I've had my shower and my coffee and my 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 blood's flowing to all the right places. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> awesome. That's fantastic. I mean, so, you know, everyone tonight, Ben and I talked about this and, you know, everywhere you go, anywhere near a news paper, a news show, any kind of broadcast, whether it's public radio or, or secular private stuff, we can't escape all the stuff. We know it's out there. What we can put out there that's positive are the good vibes, the good feels, all the things that we know and love about barbecue. And I can't think of a better person to help us do that than you, Ben, man. So, I mean, right off the cuff, right off the jump, when we talk about bringing communities together with barbecue, what are some things that come to mind for you? What, what is that phrase in the mind of Ben Arnett? What does that mean for you? So it, it works on, on so many different levels, really. I mean, just as a, like starting with your own family unit in your own backyard there, barbecue can really um, sort of give you some great bonding time with, with, with family. You know, you can, you can involve the different people in the family in different tasks. Um, I remember at, as a little kid, we'd have a, like my dad just had some bricks on the ground with the grill plate across the top. And our job was always to run around through the yard and pick up the sticks to put in the, to put in there to just to get the fire started and burn that down to coals and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, there's, there's just so many different levels that you can involve family on and then you take it to the next level. So you, you then take it to the neighborhood and you end up having like a, a street party in your neighborhood or, you know, ha- yeah. having the neighbors over yeah. for dinner, that sort of thing. Yeah. And it just, it just, it compounds from there, you know? So then the, the, the next step out will be your suburb and you might end up doing fundraisers or community awareness events, um, that sort of thing. I mean, we even uh, barbecuing or I I guess grilling really, if, if we're using American terms. Yeah. Cause you're talking hot and fast at this point, right? 
That's right. Yeah. yeah. So typically in Australia, until recently, until low and slow really sort of hit its stride here in, in Australia, what we called barbecue was what you would call grilling. So um, steaks and sausages over direct heat, that sort of thing. Um, and so it's such an ingrained part of Australian culture that um, if you go to Bunnings, which is at like our version of Home Depot, um, out the front every day of the week, there is, uh, there is some organization there with some, barbe- with some flat top gas barbecues, doing sausages, onions, bread, sauces, cold drinks, um, fundraising for communities. It might be, you know, the, the Southport girls netball team or something like that. Um, and then, you know, it just, it just escalates and it grows and it grows. And before you know it, you're doing the world's biggest barbecue for cancer research and, you know, all, all this sort of thing. And it just, the, the simple act of putting meat on fire is something that is a core tenement of every single culture out there. So, you know, fair enough, you've got different cultures that have, you know, different rules about different proteins and, you know, we don't need to get into that, but, you know, even so meat on fire still brings people together and it's just, it, that's what it boils down to. It's a, it's a common thing amongst every single culture and Australia being a young multicultural country, it's so important for us to make sure that we break those borders down and we come together as one people. And so barbecue has a, has a real potential to do that. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you saw, Ben, I will put those up here for you. You got some love throwing your way. Uh, Lucas Armstrong, chime hey, in. Hey, Lucas, how you doing, buddy? Yeah. So where's Lucas from, Ben? Uh, he's from, uh, from Australia on the East Coast. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's just south of Sydney. Okay. Okay. And, and just to give us all an idea, I mean, I, I think most people know, I mean, the bulk of, you know, people in Australia live along the coastline in, in different ways, shapes and forms, obviously, as far as the bigger, maybe the bigger metro areas or larger cities, but where specifically are you if you were to sort of visualize the, the Australian map, so to speak? All right. So um, I, I actually used to be a, a high school geography teacher. So this will be a bit of a <laughs> bit of a flashback for me. So um, Australia is almost as big in terms of like square square miles as the continental US. We're we're about ninety percent of the size of of continental USA. Now of that size, eighty five percent of the population. We, we've only got a population of about twenty seven million. So we've got about 8% of your population. We've got about 90% of the land, but 85% of our population live in about a 150 kilometer band of the Mm -hmm. coastline around the whole country. Because in the middle, uh, something like 80% of Australia is just red desert. And it's just, it's so inhospitable. And so almost everybody lives in a band around the outside. So I'm, I'm really fortunate where I live. I live about halfway up on the East coast. I'm on Mm -hmm. the Gold Coast. Um, you might've heard of surface paradise. Yep. So I'm about four kilometers outside of surface paradise. I can actually see the, I can see the high rises from my uh, house on the hill. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and guys, look, one of the things I love about what you do, Ben, um, on social media, especially on your Instagram and, and Facebook to a point too, but you really let people into what you're about. I think in a very all encompassing way. And one of the things I've thought I turned, I, I told a good buddy of mine, I didn't realize this. A good buddy of mine is um, really heavily into BJJ, right? 
uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And um, it's funny enough, I just had a nice conversation with a couple guys, uh, you know, um, Adriano uh, Pedro and um, Panyoka with my buddy Brent Little down in Brazil the other day. And sure enough, that's a big part of your life. So look, this is my show. We're going to take a departure here real quick. Um, I mean, because there's a pretty serious community. We're talking about good vibes and community. And like my buddy says, when he hangs out with his Brazilian friends, you know, on the weekends or whatever, like they're always doing like, you know, basically the churrasco, but they're doing like chicken hearts and, you know, all kinds of delicious grilled tasty meats. You know, can you make a quick comparison real quick? Like, cause I know your kids are involved too. At least the, I saw your son out there with you at one point. It looked like you were kind of, it's a great shot. You're like holding him down. Like, your head with your, <laughs> ah, it was just so great. Cause you could tell you're having a blast. So real quick, quick departure. Uh, what is, how does BJJ factor into sort of your mindset as far as community, good times and good vibes? Um, so it's BJJ is the third martial art, um, that I've studied seriously. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've always been interested in, in martial arts ever since like the eighties when my parents showed me the karate kid. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome. I've, uh, yeah. Little, uh, little Ralph Macchio. And, um, so I've, I've always been, been uh, interested in martial arts. So yeah. as a teenager, I studied, um, Taekwondo. I paid my way through university working as a bouncer in, in different pubs and nightclubs and things around Newcastle in the late nineties. Uh, very different game to what it is now. I would not be doing it today. Um, and then I got into the uh, to an, another Korean martial art called Hapkido, um, which has got the punching and kicking of Taekwondo with the circular techniques from Aikido, uh, joint locks and manipulations from uh, standing Japanese jiu-jitsu and different weaponry as well. So stick fighting, sword fighting, um, th- those types of things as well. And I got to second degree black belt in that. And then my instructor moved away to Sydney. Um, Now, Gold Coast is not a huge city. We've only got about 500,000 people. Um, We're mostly a transient population. It's the most popular place in Australia for for tourism and hospitality. So um, there was was really only one Hapkido gym. So I had to find something else. And the one thing that, that, uh, that Hapkido doesn't have is ground fighting. So I thought, okay, I'm pretty comfortable with my ground fighting. I'm going to go and learn some, uh, sorry, I'm pretty comfortable with my stand-up fighting. I want to go learn some ground fighting. And I did a bunch of research and I found this gym. Uh, it was just quite coincidentally about 500 meters down the road from where I work. And I live about two kilometers away from where I work. So it was all, was all really nice and close and, uh, and really community-based for me. And it's a gym. It's, it's called BJJ Lotus Club and it's, uh, it's, founder and its um, chief instructor is Caio Andrade, who is an ex-national BJJ champion from Brazil. So he, he's the real deal. He's got like a whole room full of different trophies and stuff that he's done. And what, what he's done is he's used jujitsu and funnily enough, barbecue to create a real international community uh, in that gym. So we've got students from all around the world, um, who a lot of them are actually students here in Australia. So they've, they've come to Australia to learn some English, learn a degree, learn a, uh, or a diploma or something like that before returning home. But they, they want to learn how to take care of themselves and, you know, just get some exercise and stay fit in that. And so we have, um, we have people in our gym from, you know, 12 different countries, uh, everywhere from Japan to Iran to um, Sweden. Wow. You know, that's, like it's, that's it's so cool. 
It's it's incredible. Yeah. But what brings everybody together? Yeah. After grading day, they bring out the Weber. Yeah. I I, I donated the Weber. Nice. They, uh, they, not they the not the brown one that's worth a lot of money, right? No, no, no. no, no, no we'll no, talk no. about that later. <laughs> no. Um, no, they, they bring out a Weber and they throw on some, uh, some picanha steaks oh, and we, yeah. we, we grill up these picanha steaks and, um, okay. and we have a, have a good, uh, barbecue lunch together after grading. So yeah, yeah that's, it, it's just yeah. funny how all those different things, they all get yeah. tied together by, by barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, <clears throat> if you guys go to my Instagram feed at barbecue beat, scroll down and you'll see what looks like these little rolls, these little fat conical shaped rolls. Those aren't rolls. Those are barbecued like chicken hearts, um, Jirashko style. And you just kind of pluck them off and tasty tidbits of deliciousness. And oh yeah, like, like it's weird. I'm, I'm down with heart, like, you know, chicken heart, uh, water, buffalo heart. Yeah. I, I'm not a liver guy, man. Like, I don't know how you feel about no, liver. No, it's just, I do yeah, I know. I, I can't get my my head around the fact that it's a um it's a cleansing, cleansing organ. organ. I have heard that recently. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's super apparently it's super healthy for you. And any any livers out there, chime in, let us know. Uh, you know, any organ meats in general. Let's 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 cue them up. But uh yeah, I know that was a bit of a departure, but it, it's clearly a part of your life and your passion. And and if you're anything, man, you're I, what I love about you, I was talking about someone uh, to someone about you today. Your ears may have been burning a bit, but I said, you know, he approaches his podcast episodes with like the kind of enthusiasm you hear kids have about stuff they find super cool, right? And I love that, man, because look, again, you don't have to look very far to find negative stuff in the world. And you bring a lot of energy and good vibes and good feels to what you're doing. So again, when I thought about, all right, how can we talk about all that's good that brings goodness to our, our lives and barbecue? You were the guy for sure. Let's see what we got as far as some comments. We got, uh, all right. Ooh, Tim. Tim's a liver lover. Liver lover. Yeah, he's and he's then, uh, to it. <laughs> yeah, and then Brent Brent's down Brent's down. He's the guy I did the uh, podcast with with the two gentlemen from Brazil. Um, come on, Kevin, fried chicken livers, a taste of the South, all yours, buddy. Enjoy. It's all you. <laughs> yeah. Now, if it's done in a delicious like gravy that I can put on some other things that I would enjoy eating, I'll I'll take all that. I'll just scoop all the little livers off into your plate, Brent. Now I'll do gizzards and hearts, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. My mom was a country girl, man. She grew up in a tobacco farm, log cabin, no indoor plumbing, like no joke wow. place in, um, outside of Danville, Virginia. So really in the Southern central to Eastern part of Virginia. And, uh, yeah, that was a trip, man. As a kid growing up <laughs> in central Florida with all the amenities, you know, rolling up to the log cabin to meet grandma and grandpa. I'm like, Hey mom, you know, I gotta go to the bathroom. Well, you have a couple of choices, Kat. You know, you go outside or you can go to that building. I recommend outside. <laughs> yeah. She's like, but if you need to find the building, just find, she always said, just find, just find the Johnny house lilies, right? The Johnny house was where you go to the bathroom and then the lilies were, you know, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Brent, you have a challenge. Now you're challenging me. He says for a special smoked and fried chicken liver dish at Memphis in May. Okay. By the way, um, Ben, that's that's an event we got to get you to. Have you been? 
Have you been to Memphis in May? No, I haven't. I haven't. Although I think I heard somewhere that it's going to be Memphis in September this year. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, I think it's, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's got, it got moved. It's, you know, I'm actually, Brent and I were talking about this. Um, and I was talking to Heath Riles as well. We have got quite the, uh, if you, if you, Anyone out there who is in the uh, the business world and familiar with Gantt charts, you know those those line charts that show how things overlap in a timeline with each other. It's for project management. Exactly. I would love to see the Gantt chart of September and October for barbecue major <laughs> massive barbecue events in the United States because I mean right on top of each other you've got the American Royal Invitational followed by on on same site the Open. At the tail end of the open, if I'm not mistaken, they might be getting ready to load in for Memphis in May and Tom Lee Park down there in uh, Memphis. You've also got to throw in the mix. Heath, Heath Riles with Heath Riles Barbecue was saying, like, don't forget, um, you know, you know the, the 17th Street event in Murfreesboro, right? That's huge. It's a Memphis yep. Barbecue Network slash KCBS event double. By the way, shout out Heath Riles. To my knowledge, one of the only people who he grand championed both events at that last year. He grand championed KCBS and Memphis in May. That dude is bad, bad to the bone. <laughs> and, and his wife, Candace, there is a story that he he's told on our podcast we did together. He couldn't make an event that was not too far from where they live. And uh, so she rolled out and cooked it on her own. And Memphis and Memphis Barbecue Network, you can do just ribs or just pork shoulder or just you know, I guess hold hog. And, um, you know, excuse me, Brent, Brent can tell me more about that. He's on their champion. Uh, catch me if I'm wrong, Brent. But, um, I think the deal here is that she, I think there were some people like she was rolling with the, with the Heath Riles colors. Right. And some people were maybe kind of licking their chops thinking, Oh yeah, now's the time for us to get one over on the Heath Riles brand. Yeah. I don't think it went down that way. I think she did very well at that event. So don't mess with Candace. She is a rib aficionado she knows what she's doing so anyway um i would like to kind of you you hinted at it and you know the the style of of grilling and that you were involved with as a kid but you know even you at the point where you were kind of out on your own cooking for yourself right and you just decided hey you know like what was cooking out for you i'm assuming it was still a little bit on the hot and fast side uh you mentioned steaks and sausages um you know obviously the you know, the ugly American, the ugly American in me is going, Oh, shrimp on the what, what everyone Barbie. Yeah. But you know, just educate me, you know, enlighten me, take me out of my ignorance, help me understand what you were involved with as, as Ben was starting to strike out on his own and, you know, cooking with live fire. What did that look like? Early days in barbecue, everyone with Ben or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful introduction there. Um, so the uh, the first barbecue that I ever owned, um, it was a little round orange gas camping barbecue. And uh, we'd actually given it to my father a few years early for Father's Day. And when I moved out to go to university to start university, uh, my father had bought me a car and he gave me that little barbecue and he made me a swag. He, um, his hobby at the time was going to garage sales and buying broken things and fixing them. And one of them was an industrial sewing machine. And then he sat there after he'd fixed the machine and said, what am I going to do with this machine? And so then he went to a bunch of caravan shops and bought a bunch of canvas uh, offcuts. And he made me a swag out of, uh, out of these canvas offcuts. 
And so for the first uh, couple of years that I was at uni, I would just drive around going to different pe- uh, parties at people's houses and things. And in the back of my car, I'd have a swag, a guitar and a little barbecue. And uh, I, I think it was like 38 centimeter or 45 centimeter. Like it was, it was smaller than a Weber kettle. And uh, we'd have these parties, 20, 25, 30 people. And I'd basically get a full gas bottle, start it at six o'clock at night and turn it off at midnight because it'd take that long to get all the food through for, you know, 20, 30 people on this tiny little thing. Um, well, real, uh, real quick, what when you say a swag, is that something that you would use as like a, is that a cover that you would hang from like the back of your vehicle? Like what, what's a swag? Help me out. Because you said swag oh. in uni. And those were two words that don't pop up in my vocabulary very often. So help me understand. But I know uni was university. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so uni is, is university. Yeah. Um, do you know the song Waltzing Matilda? I do. Once a jolly swag man camped by a billabong. So the, the swagman in, in, uh, in Australia's history during uh, like post-war and during great depression and that the, the men that were the breadwinners for the families, they all lost their jobs and all that sort of thing. And so they would, walk around Australia looking for odd jobs and, uh, and, and doing things here and there. And the swag was, it's like a canvas bag with zippers up the side with a mattress inside. And so it's, it's, uh, it, it's also called a bedroll. And so that's what you'd sleep in. You, you roll it up and, uh, got the, it, got it. Yeah. The, yeah. The yeah. The blankets and the pillows and the mattress and everything inside. And then when it's time to go to sleep, you just unroll it, lay it out on the grass and climb in. So that's what a swag is. Got it. Hey, little love from our friend, uh, the barbecue ninja, Craig Verhaga. What's up, Craig? Always good to see you in the house. Craig's By the way, guys, how oh, he really is. And guys, look, yeah, check yeah. out, um, what's that, two, two seasons ago you interviewed him? Um, so I've, I've, I've actually uh, interviewed Craig twice now. Um, oh, yeah. Once was last year uh, as part of my American tour. Um, of 2019. Okay. And we, we talked about um, hunting and cooking alligators, which was pretty cool. Yeah. He does a little of that. Yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> hey, hey, okay. Thank you, man. I was going to say like, you know, Ben gets a what's up and you know, I, I get left in the cold. I see how it is. I don't have the cool accent, you know, I'm just a regular guy. So anyway, there's my, there's my bit of love from, from Craig, but um, all right. So, uh, so what were you cooking for these events? I mean, you said, you know, you know, 37 oh, people, whatever, like what were, was going on? Yeah. You know, whatever they had handy, whatever you, you know, could wrangle in on the cheap, like what was going on? Well, because we were university students, none of us had any money. Um, and uh, the, the people that I was hanging out with, we all had to, to work like ourselves to be able to feed ourselves and that sort of stuff. We weren't, um, you know, we weren't silver spoon students. As I said, I, like I'd, I worked as a bouncer. Um, and I'm, I'm not an overly big guy. So that was kind of a rough, it was kind of a rough gig. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you had that, you had the technique, like my buddy, again, he's like, dude, little guys kick some serious butt in BJJ if their technique is awesome. Yeah. Look, I'll, I'm not going to lie for me. It was, uh, mostly cause I could talk faster than I could fight. So, uh, <laughs> most of the situations I'd, I got out of just by talking to people and talking them down and, and all that sort of stuff. So it, it, it very rarely actually got physical. Um, but when it did, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty big. Um, <laughs> so, so you were getting uh, whatever you get your hands on, basically, whatever was on sale, whatever what people brought with them. Like, did, was there a lot of BYOM parties, be BY, bring your own meat kind of deal it, or just, it was pretty much bring your own everything. Um, ah, yeah. Although I, I was home brewing at the time as well, because I, I couldn't Ooh. afford to buy 
to buy beer from the from the bottle shop. So I, you know, All right. I'd, I'd put on the homebrew as well. It'd cost me ten bucks, and everyone would have a ripper of a night all night. Oh so. yeah, what? Uh, I mean, was there? Were you even concerned with the style at that point, or it was just beer? Like, like you know, like, or were you going for a certain style, certain flavors? Oh, I, I was just curious, just to just about to do it myself. So, I, like, I was quite into uh, brewing the apple ciders and the alcoholic ginger beer. Oh, yeah, and, nice. Um, and just cool, just man. Different things, um, yeah. Although uh, lager is one of my favorite things to brew. You know, that's probably my favorite beer. I I can chew through a, an IPA about three quarters of the way down the glass. And then I, I can't do another one. It's just too, it's too, too hoppy, too much But those lagers, man. Oh yeah. All day. Good stuff. Yeah. So yeah. nice, man. Um, so, you know, work life, you know, at some point after graduation kicks in, you know, you, you eventually, you know, meet your lovely wife, your family life starts and, uh, you know, you had a cool story I heard um, in the episode you did about uh, the individual up, not, not about the Cairns barbecue event, but the, the individual tell, tell me the story about the guy up in Cairns. Man, that's a great story. It's like Steve jobs is of barbecue, right? Like out of your garage is born a business. It's fantastic. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, that was really cool, man. I, I enjoyed that story because in that story, you can then dovetail into the story about what you found at the house you're in now, that's quite the treasure. Yeah. So, um, that was Drew White from Cairns Barbecue Company. And if you're, if you're not familiar with, with Australian geography, Cairns is the northmost city of Australia. It's right at the foot of the, of the rainforest that's up there. So it's, and that's, that's C-A-I-R-N-S. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's part of the state of Queensland and I'm at the bottom of Queensland near the border and Kansas right at the top. And it's about a three day drive from where I am to Cairns. It's huge. It's so far. And, uh, so being quite remote, it's quite difficult to get things like, uh, like barbecue supplies up there. And, uh, if you weren't just, just cooking steaks and sausages on, on grill, then no one really knew what you were talking about. But, uh, thanks to the wonders of the internet, the you know the the word of low and slow was was growing and and evolving in Australia, and so this guy Drew he he became interested in that and uh, you know the the usual thing he spoke to his dad his dad had a Weber so pulled the Weber out and um and he got into charcoal cooking but he was finding it really difficult to get stuff and paying for shipping for a pallet of charcoal to get from Sydney to Cairns was just astronomical. So what he would do is he, he actually uh, converted his garage into a mini warehouse and he would bulk order these, like all these barbecue products in, take out what he wanted for his own personal stash. And then he started selling that off um, out of his garage. And then from there he moved to, I think he said he moved to like, uh, markets or stalls or something. And so he would, he would, uh, sell them just on weekends in, in a stall and that's grown over the last two or three years. And he's now actually got cans first ever, um, permanent full-time barbecue shop. So dedicated to low and slow real barbecue. Um, what's it so, like? Yeah, Lucas says it's a lovely spot for a barbecue competition. What does he mean by that? Um, because it's so far North, it's close to the equator. So the weather would be, I guess, like 
southern Texas. So okay. it's 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 warm all year round. All right. Um, for Very, for those okay. of us down south, or even even people like way down south, like Tasmania or mm-hmm. Melbourne, um, it'd just be a beautiful. Oh, you're spot. talking about Maca territory now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I know that a lot of competitors were really looking forward to heading up there for that competition. Um, it was, uh, it was a $50,000 prize pool, $20,000 for grand champion. That's quite big for Um, Australia, right? It is huge for Australia. And, uh, now those were Aussie dollars. So I think 20,000 Australian is about like a Coke and a bag of chips in America at the moment. No, come on. Um, It's still, that's that's (laughs) a big one. That's even if it's half, I mean. You know, you, you, what, well, we can talk about this later, but I think, I think we get spoiled over here in the States when we start talking about prize purses, right? It gets a little ridiculous sometimes. So we'll, that'll come up a little later. And Hey, Dave, I see you, bro. Thank you so much for chiming in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As always. Um, so, but yeah, it's, I mean, I loved, I love Drew's story, man, because it was one of those deals that you, you could hear the the sort of slow burning passion that he has for barbecue and i mean to he, he just how he said I'd, I'd i'd go and i'd get you know large pallets or big big lots of stuff put it in my garage and sell it off to mates right like just kind of out of his garage to make a business i mean dude i mean that's that's just that's cool. about as entrepreneurial as it gets right it's so awesome. I loved it. And guys, look, if you haven't checked out Smoking Hot Confessions, it's on all the major feeds. Just go listen. You're going to love it. I mean, I I, I do. I'm, up. I'm not going to lie. It's one of the, the, the podcasts that I absolutely have on. If there's a speed dial for podcasts, it's right there all the time. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just one of those things. And, and, and you really get the story. And, and one of the things I like about what you do, Ben, is that you really bring out the narratives when you talk to people. You want to know their stories. And I think that's what makes podcasting so nice uh, as a way to share those stories and, and get them across. Like when I started, man, like, you know, it was always competition guys, right? Let's talk about the competition barbecue, but Jeez, you know, like the third or fourth time you talk about, like over here at least, I know you guys do some interesting stuff with like lamb and lamb neck and all kinds of cool, crazy stuff. But you talk about the four major competition meets, about the fourth podcast in a row, and you're like, so there's some rub and some injection and some turn-in times and then a lot of drinking and then awards. Okay, yeah, I got it. Okay, I'm good. So, (laughs) yeah, you know, you need to dig deeper and get the stories. And that's where you find cool people like... uh, like our buddy Craig, once again, what's up, man? And, uh, you know, you, you make them happen. So, but good job for you, man. That was a great story with Drew. And, uh, you know, he, he has definitely instantly became someone I want to make sure that one day, sometime, at some point, I'm going to wrangle my good old boy, uh, good friend of mine, Carl Griffith, uh, AKA Griff. And he was actually supposed to come out. I think the actual Karen's barbecue competition uh, Rub Bagby with Swamp Boys Barbecue was going to make his way out there. They were going to do right, that, yeah. but, but, yeah. and, and again, like guys, look, I, I said earlier in the podcast, we were going to talk about the, 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 the sort of moody blues aspect of life, you know, nights in white satin. Um, but, uh, you know, we really, what? uh, yeah, I know, I know. Sorry. <laughs> that just happened. Um, it's, 
Oh, if you think you got it bad, oh, imagine what my high school kids have to deal with. It's ridiculous. I, I, yeah, but I keep it 100, Ben, all day, all the time. Um, but it's one of those deals where Drew became a personality that I want to make sure I meet because he really just, he's unassuming, but he's passionate. And those are the kind of people that kind of make all this worthwhile. And I know you meet a lot of great folks. Um, so at some point, it, we got it. We got to We got to dovetail. I promise. Dovetail into the story that you told Drew about this this interesting find you found at at your house when you guys moved in. You were kind of digging around, seeing what was what, and you were pretty surprised it was there. And and you still have it today. Yeah. So um, it was my first actual charcoal barbecue, and so um, we're talking towards the end of two thousand and eight. Now, my wife and I bought our first house, and. Uh, we were going through it all and it was, um, it was in a quiet suburb on the Gold Coast. And the, so it was a, it had been a retiree area. And as the retirees were leaving, the younger families were moving in. Um, and uh, so we moved into this house and we're going through it all. And, you know, she'd left a whole bunch of furniture and stuff in there, which was fantastic. The house was about 80% furnished. Um, we've nice. still got the microwave. I don't know how hey. old the microwave is, but we've we, we've moved house, brought the microwave with us, and fantastic. It's it's got to be twenty twenty five years old, I suppose. That's we, built we to just, last. Oh yeah, we just make sure we stand well back from it when we're uh, <laughs> when we're actually using <laughs> everything it. in Ben's house is irradiated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're so we're packing and unpacking and all this sort of stuff, and mm-hmm. um, I head out to the garden shed. And I'm pulling all this just junk out of the garden shed. And I, uh, I see this, this barbecue. I'm like, what the hell is this? And it's, it's this old brown Weber kettle. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but uh, a couple of years later, once I'd really got into cooking on charcoal, cooking with Webers, I looked up the year code and it's a 1984 model uh, brown Weber kettle, wooden handles, all that sort of stuff. Um, Unfortunately, all the all the all the tools and all that sort of stuff that were there with it, they'd rusted out. The yeah. um, the the little charcoal, not baskets, but the little things that clip into the grill and form a wall. Yes. Um, I don't know what the proper name for them is, but they're they gonna, act well, like charcoal them, baskets, like, but they're but dividers. They're not yes, exactly. Dividers, yeah, 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 charcoal yeah. dividers. Yeah, they'd all rusted out, and so I ended up throwing all that stuff out. Um. But yeah, I've, and it's uh, inside in in one of the cupboards. Inside was the original manual and cookbook that came with this thing from 1984. That's so, awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah oh it yeah. Was, it, it was really cool. So uh, yeah. my my wife and I refer to that as our two hundred ninety thousand dollar Weber. Wow, fantastic! It, it, hey, it, it came with a free house. Yeah, and guys, just so you know, um, some of the top songs in. 1984, Purple Rain, Wind Doves, <laughs> Wind, Wind Doves Cry. Um, uh, you had uh, Dancing in the Dark uh, from the Born in the USA album. Hey, let's hear it for the boy, Footloose. Uh, ooh, come on, little Tina Turner. What's love got to do? Oh. Got <laughs> to do with it. Oh, yeah. Good times, man. That's cool. Um, so how did, how did you decide, did you... Because you compete, like unlike myself, I, I judge barbecue. You actually have gotten out there and mixed it up and competed. Did you get into competing before the podcast or after? And kind of how did we get to where the podcast was born, taking competition for you into consideration? So Smoking Out Confessions has had quite 
quite the evolution. Um, so it started out just as a website where I was um, photographing things I was cooking and writing up recipes and mm-hmm. writing different articles and all that sort of thing. And I started that, um, that was my New Year's Eve resolution on 2014. So January 1, 2015, I bought the domain name, uh, found a website host and I started working on it from there. And it wasn't until I think August 2015 that um, that Smoking Hot Confessions actually competed as a barbecue team for the first time. And that was at the Burley Barbecue Championships. Um, so I, I haven't been a, a prolific competitor by any means. Um, I certainly didn't have a huge impact on the, uh, on the, on the competition scene. In hey, terms you've of, competed uh, in more competitions than I have. So I'm going to give that to you, Ben. Well, we do sure. have, we do have, I think, uh, maybe two or three, um, trophies, but, uh, yeah, yeah, we didn't, uh, we didn't set the competition scene on fire by any means, but, um, I was, I, I just loved it. I just loved the whole the whole concept. I loved being able to go out for the weekend camping with, you know, 300 of my best mates and we all cook together. We drink together. We talk and laugh and share. And, and, you know, at, at the end of the weekend, some guys get recognized for their outstanding work and they get a trophy and everybody feels good and we go home. And, um, the only problem was, and I was just talking to someone about this yesterday, actually. Um, I, Smoke Dog Confessions didn't start the way that a lot of barbecue teams start. So a lot of barbecue teams are a bunch of guys that get together first and they say, Hey, this is something that, that, that I want to do. Let's, let's get together and let's do it. And so there's like a co-ownership of the brand. Um, whereas Smoking Hot Confessions was a brand that I had started myself before, right. before we started becoming a competition team. Okay. And so, um, I didn't want to give up the creative control of the brand and all that sort of stuff. So instead of bringing in like regular teammates and dividing the costs four ways, I didn't think it was fair to ask people to commit to mm-hmm. the team and, and commit to sharing the costs. Yeah if I wasn't willing to share the brand. So I, I basically created what I called gypsy teams and uh, my wife and I are both English language teachers. So we have access to a, to a wide pool of, um, of students who've come to Australia to learn some English and get a qualification, Mm -hmm. but they have incredible experiences and skills from their own country. Their only problem is language. Okay. And uh, being English language teachers, my wife and I speak broken English perfectly. And um, so we, uh, so we don't have a problem speaking with anybody from anywhere. You know, we, um, we're, we're both theater majors from back in the day. So, you know, if it comes down to it, we can, why am I not surprised about anything? Yeah. 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 By the way, one of Ben's service offerings that he offers to the barbecue community is that he emcees events. You could see just by the way, he kind of presents himself here. Yeah perfect for that. Like what are some of the give people an idea? What are some of the nationalities that kind of make up the mix of uh, who kind of pops in, pops out of, of that world? Because I know you work, you know, at both, you know, with, with that population. So we're talking outside of the barbecue team or we're just talking about just my day job in general now. Well, no, there's just like, it, like in, that they came in and worked with you in the barbecue. Uh, oh, okay. Sphere. Okay. Cool. Yeah, cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so most commonly was Brazilians. Um, oh Yeah. We, we had quite a few Brazilians. They don't like fire and meat at all in Brazil. No, no. no. It was quite surprising to see. Yeah, that. So shocking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of the guys who, who became almost semi-permanent because he was just completely hooked on it was this guy. His name's Michael May. 
and okay. he's from he's from Switzerland, and he's a French trained, uh, a classically French trained chef. Okay, Tuffy Stone. All right. From, yeah, yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, from from Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. So when my wife was talking to him and said, "Hey, do you want to come and be part of a barbecue competition? You're going to go and spend a weekend camping on the beach down here at Burley, and you're going to cook some food." He was like, "Yes, yes, I want that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I want this in my and, life." Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so part of the conditions were: listen, you, you you have to be able to take instruction. You know, you've you, you've got to listen to the way Ben wants things done. Um, because yes, chef. He'd, 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 no chef. He'd yes, chef. That. well, that was part of it and not, yeah. and not chef. I, I never, ever called myself I know, chef, I, know, I, know, I, I, know. I, I barely call myself a cook. No, um, I know. I know. But, but that, uh, but that French trained culinary background of just like, there's order to things that oh, yeah. do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So much. Yeah. Because, uh, whenever I do compete, I sit down weeks beforehand and I type out run sheets for each of the protein. And it's, it's printed out, it's laminated in multiple copies. So I've got a copy and whoever I make responsible for that protein has that, that, uh, their copy as well. Okay. And it's, it, it's to the minute. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so precise and just anal, uh, anally retentive about it that that's, it's, it's gotta be that way. And, uh, but he, because of his training, he was like, yeah, no problem. And just bam, bam, bam. What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? And he, okay. he, he loved it so much that we did that one at, at Burley. And then the very next weekend we went down to Bangalore and it was polar opposite from the, from the Burley competition, even though it was only about an hour's drive away. So Burley, it was still July or August. So it was still winter here in Australia, mm-hmm. but on the Gold Coast, winter on the Gold Coast, we all still go to the beach and still go swimming and surfing. And like, it's, it, it's about the same temperature as summer. It's just not as humid. Right. And, uh, and, uh, but. Bangalore is a little bit inland and it's, it's, it's got this really steep um, valley that it's in and it kind of has its own little ecosystem happening okay. there because yeah. it's, yeah. it's in such a low little valley. Sure. And anyway, it's always cold, like cold, cold, really oh, cold. Wow. And so I had my, I've, I've got a 20 inch offset um, stick burner that I use for competitions. Um, Any radar. particular brand do you want to talk about? Like, it's, it's from Radar Hill. It's a one of a kind from Radar Hill. Nice, nice. And um, so I've, I've got that there. And part of what I always insist on when I'm captaining a barbecue team is a sleep roster. Um, because, you know, when it, it becomes almost like a, I'm such a man, I'm not going to sleep for two days and I'm just going to drink and cook food. And yeah. by, the time you get, by the time you get to hand in time, everyone's just shattered. Bad, yeah. bad decisions are made. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I always insist on a, on a sleep roster. Everybody gets at least four hours sleep yeah. so that when it's hand in time, everyone's got at least something happening. Cognitive capability. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah. I, I woke up from, from my shift of, of sleeping from my sleep shift. And, um, I said, right on Michael, it's your turn to go, to go catch some, some sleep. And this guy was so cold. He had dragged his chair right up to the firebox because because oh. his job was just to watch the temperature gauge and put another log on every 30, yeah. 40 minutes. Yeah. He had pulled his chair right up. or he The firebox was like almost in his crotch. He had his legs running down each side of the <laughs> firebox. Then he's hunched over oh. it and he's like, and he's got, I'm, I'm so cold. I'm so cold. It's too cold to sleep. 
<laughs> and I said, I said, mate, you're from Switzerland. You've, you've, you've grown up in like 10 feet of snow. And he just looked at me and said, Switzerland is not this cold. Oh. He, he just huddled the whole night, just huddled over this firebox. Now, let me ask you real quick. Um, just like low, medium, high. How would you rate the humidity levels around that area? Is it so, high humidity, mid, low, like? On the Gold Coast where I am, it's yeah. it's mid-humidity really. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm used to it now, but it was quite humid when I did first move Because that, 12, when it gets cold ago. in an area that has high humidity, that will mess you up. It's like London cold at that point. Because it's like yeah, yeah. in your bones cold versus that crisp Colorado cold that you can kind of hang with. You know what I mean? Mm. So it will. I mean, in his defense... <laughs> no, oh, you know, it, 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 it's bone chillingly cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah I mean, uh, this is Florida kid going. It's cold. It's sixty degrees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, I, I had the same experience. So last year, I went down to um to the Hobart Barbecue and Blues Festival, and I was you. you Hobart's in Tasmania, Florida. right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a it's the capital city of Tasmania, the southernmost part of Australia. Okay, and it's it's down near the Antarctic, sort of. Like it, like it's not close. You, you, you get, you can't see it, but like it's, but you get in there, you're in the yeah, sphere. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> it was, it was January. So it was the middle of summer. And, right. um, as you mentioned before, I MC barbecue festivals and I, mm-hmm. I help with social media promotions. I do, uh, content creation for them, videos and write ups and photography and all that sort of stuff. Right. Um, so they hired me to go down there and, and, uh, and work on their festival there with them. And, um, so I'd, I rock up from the Gold Coast and I've got jeans and thick socks and my boots mm-hmm. on and I've, I've got my t-shirt, I've got my hoodie, my hoodie's pulled up. I'm, I'm eyeing off my backpack cause I know I've got a beanie in my backpack and I'm just thinking like, can I, can I go and get that without anybody laughing at me? And all the locals that I'm that I'm interviewing on video, they're all standing there in shorts and t-shirts and flip-flops, and they're this all going, is "Great! Oh, it's so wonderful today! How lovely is this?" And I'm standing there beside them, trying to hold the microphone, going, "Yeah, yeah, yeah it's lovely! It's lovely!" <laughs> yeah, it's like when I moved from Florida to Chicago. Um, yeah, that that they call it the hawk, that wind that comes off of Lake Michigan and screams around those buildings in the loop area of Chicago. Knock, knock you on your ass, bro. Like knock you down cold. Mm. Like I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready. I thought I was I've, ready. Um, I wasn't ready. I've, I've chatted a bit with, uh, with Mikey from man meat barbecue and he's from uh, Chicago, I think as yep. well. Yeah. He's in the suburbs and area. That's right. Some of the photographs of him, he's out cooking in like four foot of snow on a, yeah. on a Kamado. I'm like, yeah. yeah, no, no, too much snow. Any, well, I mean, any too, snow yeah. is too much snow for me. Yeah. Yeah. And you got Mike. Uh, Mike from Code Three Barbecue. Those are St. Louis. I mean, they get some of that too. It's yeah, yeah. that's a whole different deal. Um, well, I I, I lived in South Korea for two years. That's right. Hey, by the way, look, just for you, man. Check it. Check it out. Hey, kimchi. Yeah, delicious deliciousness. That's right. That's right. Just for you, buddy. My my students used to tell me, teacher, teacher, eat kimchi, no SARS. Eat kimchi, no cancer. Eat, Eat eat kimchi, no AIDS. Okay. And I said, you know how AIDS is transmitted, right? And they're like, yes. And I said, I don't think kimchi has much to do with that. And they're like, no. Unless they no. eat it in a different way than you did. 
Yeah. The, the, the only thing I could think of was if you eat enough kimchi, then your breath is going to be so strong that no, no danger of HIV. Like, That's right. Yeah. 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 I'm telling you though, man, I'm addicted to this stuff. It's so, it's so good. So delicious. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, but um, in, in Korea, it, it snows in, in winter and the sidewalks all ice over. Oh. And uh, I'd, I'm a farm boy from from Australia, and so you know I can I can ride horses, I can ride motorbikes, I can build fences, I can drive a tractor. Cannot walk on ice. Cannot completely cannot. Zero and, balance. Um, so the the, yeah. the the first year that I was there, I'd been there like two days, and yeah. a friend of mine was already he'd already gone over there about a year before. Right. He rings my apartment and says, "Oh, you know, jump in a taxi, tell them this." And they'll they'll take you to where I am, and we're going to have dinner at this nice Korean restaurant that I know. Blah blah. blah. Okay, cool. So I I go out to to meet this uh, to to go meet this guy, and I get out of the taxi, and I open the door. I've I've already paid the taxi, of course. Open the door, step out onto the sidewalk, close the door of the taxi, turn around. My feet just go out from underneath me, crack on my back, straight down on the ice. And if you've seen videos of like baby deer or baby goats or baby cows when they first um, are born and they're trying to stand up and they get their like front Bambi. legs up yeah. and then their back oh, yeah. legs are sliding uh-huh. out. That uh-huh. was me on the ice. I had my hands on the ice <laughs> trying to stand oh, up and I could not get my legs underneath me to slip, oh, slip, man. slip. And all these, wow. uh, like all the young Koreans who were going out for the night were just sort of walking past laughing at me. And, you know, it's, it's the middle of winter, it's snow. I'm wearing 16 layers and oh. there's Korean girls in mini skirts and high heels just going <laughs> across the ice. The equivalent of the Harish- the Harishuku girl in Korea. That's right. Yeah. That's and the, um, it, it, it must've been five or 10 minutes. I was there on the ice trying to get up. And finally a little old Korean lady must've been 70, 80 years old, bent over in the middle from like years of hard work hobbles over and sort of grabs me under the arms and just sort of holds me steady to help me stand up. And she took me over to the wall, like on the opposite of the roadside of the curb, takes me to the wall of the buildings and then mimes, like mimes for me to hold onto the wall as I'm trying to get down the street. (laughs) So I had to walk half a block holding onto the wall of this apartment building and I Spider-Man. Got to like the corner where the restaurant was. Spider Man. <laughs> That's right. Oh my God. Ah, crazy. Oh man. Um. So one one of the things that you do such a good job of, since you, I mean, you literally, like you know, traveled to. You, you've had multiple trips here to the U.S. and barbecue experiences. Is that right? So yep. you know, you've seen and experienced some of the key differences. And one of the things I want to make sure we touch on before, you know, we, we get done here is uh, some of the, some of the things that we in America may not understand take place in, you know, barbecue in Australia, even maybe in organizations like KCBS, for instance. And, and there are other, there, there are, I know there's at least one other major barbecue association in Australia, if not if not others, just kind of give us a general picture of that, if you would, man. So the biggest one in Australia is the Australasian Barbecue Alliance. And that was founded by uh, Jay Beaumont and uh, Jess Priles and Adam Roberts. And uh, I'm I'm sure you're familiar with Jess Priles. You probably had her on the show here a couple of times before. And uh, they really sort of kicked off the competition scene back in 2014, I think was the first competition. And it's just grown and grown and grown and grown and grown and grown from there. 
And uh, since that's happened, it's sort of, it, it's built the scene over here. Um, they were holding competitions all around Australia. And um, as a result, KCBS became interested. So we, we've now got uh, some KCBS competitions here in Australia. Not not a lot. We're still mostly ABA. Um, but yeah, so we've, uh, we've, we've got those two. Um, there have been a few sort of smaller bodies kind of start up and haven't, haven't made it. They've sort of struggled and they've had to shut it down. Um, right. but the two that are, the two that are still really running strong at the moment are the ABA and KCBS here in Australia. Right. And so the events themselves, do they adhere strictly to the four meets that we're all used to as far as, uh, you know, as that goes, or do, are there variations that we don't necessarily, I mean, we have ancillary events here, obviously, but are there other things that are going on over there that we may not see here? So one of the things that we've always had here in Australia with our competition barbecue is kind of unbridled creativity. So because the ABA really kicked things off that they were able to make up rules that would suit the Australian population that they didn't have to necessarily in, inherit a set of entrenched 35 year old rules. Um, so we've got a lot more creativity in things like categories for the competition and things like that. So there are no compulsory categories. I don't think with ABA, I don't think so. Um, but promoters can have special categories if they want to. So for example, okay. the, the, the Burley barbecue competition here, which is my local one. Um, it's actually last time it ran, it switched from ABA to KCBS, but it, for years before that it had been ABA and his, uh, that, that promoter, Greg Dean, his thing was seafood. So because okay. we're, we're literally, you know, barbecuing on the beach, um, th there was even a little side competition about who could go out to the beach and catch a fish and bring the fish in and cook it and, and serve it in there. Now that, that was just a little side pot competition that, sure. that wasn't part of the grand champion, but, um, so did it happen? Did someone do it? Oh yeah. 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 I want to say, I want to say it was the lads from double barrel barbecue. I think, I think. All right. That's, That's so cool. Yeah. You, you, it's two or three years ago now. I, um, yeah, somebody, sure, sure, sure. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but just the fact that it happened, that's, that's very, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, we often have lamb. Um, so we've got, uh, beef, pork, chicken, lamb. Those are the four I mean, and like ones. leg of lamb, uh, rack of lamb, like any lamb, like, is there a lamb usually is an open category unless, mm -hmm. um, unless the promoter specifically, uh, specifies. So there are some yeah. competitions that are just, just beef. And right. so you'll have the brisket category, the beef sure. rib category, the, you know, yeah, that sort of thing. So that's um, something I don't, we don't see here. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen beef ribs as part of a competition environment in the States ever. Oh, I, I, I love handing in beef ribs as a, as, as a competition hand in. I've, yeah. I've done it a couple of different ways. Um, I always get them, the bones in a, in a set of three rather than individual bones. Yeah. And, um, I get the, the butcher to run them through the bandsaw down the middle because the only way you're going to get six of them in a plate is if you cut them in half. Okay. And so I, I, I have in the past handed in little sort of half size. It's like a little short rib kind of things. Like it, it's a short, short rib. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what and, we get uh, in the store here. We get these little things that are like this long. Yep. They're little nuggets and they're actually fun to cook, but they're not like that sexy big dino bone Texas style deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
Yeah. Or the, the other thing I'll do is I'll cook them whole as a three bone plate and then run a knife down between the bones and the meat and uh, slice it up and cube it up like, um, like a, like it's a brisket and I'll present it like a brisket with uh, burnt nice. ends and slices. Yeah, so, Lucas right. echoed your see he he lamb is pretty much open to to whatever. Like, you know, again, it, I you know, you hear pork collar, but then you guys like, you know, lamb neck, you know, is a very fatty, kind of unctuous kind of deal. Um, you know, that's what I was I was talking to the guys uh, in Tasmania a little bit about, you know, that being a thing. It's like, huh. All right. Yeah, know your way around that particular piece, you know, and, and work with that. Yeah, I would yeah. be lost, of course. But uh um yeah, like I I've done leg of lamb, I've done rack of lamb. Like I, you know, I think more often than not, I find, at least here in central Florida, I think more people people who have only tried leg of lamb and not like those little lamb mini help me help me with the cut, those little mini like porterhouses, little tiny, like, you know, those, they're not the rack of lamb, but it's the other, the other cut. I don't know, but just the younger the animal, basically, the less it's mm. going to have that kind of gamey kind of Yeah, the older they get, the, to it. Uh, yeah. the, the tougher they get. Although yeah. mutton is, um, it is starting to, uh, to, to come back into style again, which is quite interesting because mutton. And that's a, a good thing. Not quite an old lamb. Um, so it's, it's basically, it's, it's looking at beasts that do have that super strong gamey flavor okay. and then, and then cooking that. So I'm, I'm starting to notice mutton appearing on, on, uh, like restaurant menus and things again. So right. it's only a matter now, of are they cooking it to keep things. that flavor or are they doing things to mitigate that flavor, like soaking it in buttermilk or doing anything like that? I haven't actually tried it to be honest. Okay. Um, I'd, I'd imagine if you're going to make a big deal out of saying that you cook mutton, it's going to be because you want to really promote that strong lamb flavor yeah, and yeah. All, all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a man's lamb all, yeah. all day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, the, the farm that I grew up on that I mentioned before we had goats yep. and goats are really good eating. They, yeah. um, they taste quite similar to lamb, but they're not For as young, old, though. the whole deal. Like, like, Oh, I've like, like lambs, you, you don't want to eat them any like any older than about one year old. Okay. So like one year old is the perfect time to to process them and all that sort of Got stuff. It. Yeah. Um, but it it eats just like lamb, but doesn't have that that sort of that fatty aftertaste in the mouth that you can yeah. sometimes get with lamb. That kind of earthy. Um, yeah. 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 Cool. All right, man. Well, thank you. I mean, that's again, you know, just you know, the the creativity like that you see in some of the things. Like I, I love that spirit. And it seems like the Australian guys really just celebrate that and keep that mm-hmm. rocking and rolling. And that's really, that's really cool. Um, you know, one of the things I want to make sure we do, wait, hold on one thing. Lucas, I sent rub a big shaker of tree bark. You need to go steal some rub from, okay. Yeah, I can do that. Cause as soon as they, as soon as they allow me to go out and about, we'll leave it there. Um, yeah. I can, Rub Rub Bagby with Swamp Boys Barbecue lives, oh God, five miles from my house, maybe. Oh know. wow! That that's as the crow flies, it's probably three. Uh, but you know, I'm not trying to drive through you know strip malls and shopping centers. So, um, just just order a drone from Amazon, fly it over to his house. Now you're talking. carrying a little basket, have him put the rub yeah. in the basket, and then you just yeah. fly it back to your house again. Easy. You know. You you say that I 
one of the things I've noticed here anyway, have you, if you go price a, a piece of technology that allows you to communicate or interact with someone remotely now, dude, it's like, it's like when hurricanes hit Florida, plywood goes up by double or triple, right? Like a Logitech webcam is now $100 more than it was six months ago. It's, it's ridiculous. Oh, really? So, oh, it's getting kind of weird. Yeah. So luckily I, you know, I, guys, you can see, you know, Ben's got the sweet, sweet setup. We'll, we'll t- you know, we won't go into that. You know, he's got the nice, clear camera. I'm rocking the old school, like fuzzy cam. But um, yeah, if I wanted to up my game, I'm going to have to wait. I'm going to wait it out. Um, all right. I, I, I did forget to mention before as well, we have yeah. had the SCA come and join us in Australia now as well. And so um, the, the ABA and the SCA have partnered up. And Excellent. so what, what a lot of competitions do now is they do an SCA yeah. on the first day. And okay. then in the afternoon, the ABA comp starts and yeah. they move up and they, uh, they, they cook through the night and do their ABA hand-ins the following day. And um, uh, the competitions that I've been hired to do photography for, um, the shots of the hand-in boxes from the SCA competitions mm-hmm. have just been wild. Stunning. Like the, the, the creativity yeah. in, in the SCA is just mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. And, um, you know, Kids Q Nation? Mm-hmm. You familiar with that? Yeah. So uh, yeah. Um, Matt, Matt Staunton, who I, I interviewed a couple of days ago, his episode of the podcast will come out next week. So this, oh, this afternoon's episode of Smoking Hot Confessions is the 100th episode. Hey, congratulations, um, buddy. That's yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So my wife and I recorded that two days ago. We, um, we, we, we sat here in the studio with a couple of beers and some fireball and just uh, chatting oh, about now, now you're getting Tim. Stuff, so. Hey, Tim Malloy, shout out to you. Timeline, Tim Malloy, fireball all day. Yeah, big oh, handle of fireball I in. Love uh, fireball. Ice cold, ice cold. Yeah, there's guys. If you again, take your time. Scroll through all the images on the uh, Ben. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, Smoking hot confessions. Okay, there you go. You'll see the the Brazilian Brazilian Jiu Jitsu where Ben's choking his child. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> you'll uh, you'll see all kinds of stuff. Just but to be I, clear, that was a staged. It photograph. was staged photograph. <laughs> that's right. We don't need any. Uh, you Please know, don't call the Department of Community that, Services. That's right. But 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 you, there's one shot where you've got this the fireball bottle just right up to the kisser. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um. That was a good day, actually. I, I just finished making an apple and fireball cobbler in the in the PK three sixty. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, uh, mate, it was divine. It was absolutely divine. So, all right, I'll like, be expecting that recipe in my uh, inbox any day now. Yeah, I'm, I'll be I'll be putting it up. Uh, I'll be putting it up soon. Actually, I've just got to get some Fantastic. time to sit down and actually uh, cut the video and edit the video together properly. Nice. And well, tag yeah. me, man. Let me know it's out there, and I'll help share it out. Plus, I'll steal it like a champ. <laughs> I will do. Awesome. Um, all right, listen. Um, the last thing I want to make sure we do, well, there's two things. I always say that. There's last thing and there's another thing and there's a thing after the thing. But um, I'm, on, I'm on holidays right now. So yeah, we we're rocking. All day we're good. If you want to. That's, that, that's fine. Um, so great, right? You know, this is, this is a time where I think, you know, I talked to my buddy, Craig Tabor, um, up in the Atlanta area. He, he was long time was a big green Craig. You can find him at, you know, at Craig Tabor now on, he's coming out with a book focusing largely on the big green egg and cooking with it here soon. But he has really enjoyed just being at home with his family, right. During this mm-hmm. time period. 
and cherishing those those moments. Uh, he's got two little girls; they're beautiful, and uh, yeah, man, it's this is that time to kind of take a break. So, it's my podcast. We can talk if I want to. Um, <laughs> that's right. So, one of the things I want to make sure we cover, um, and because I'm ignorant. I'll say it. I I have a couple of the uh, the sort of big name barbecue folks out there. Um, you know, the smoking joint comes to mind as far as the people that you know have kind of made it over here and so on and so forth. Uh, Maka, you know, leather goods down in Tasmania. Obviously, guys, check him out. He's not only does he make amazing products by hand, he is just quite the individual. Just a fantastic guy. Um, the uh, the other. I've actually got a Maca knife roll. Oh yeah. In this in this office somewhere. Oh. I'm just looking for where I've put it. All right. Keep looking while, while I spiel on. Um yeah. yeah. The last thing is um, you know, red gum barbecue. Down a little bit more south from where you are, I think, right around the uh the southern, like the south eastern portion, maybe, if I'm not mistaken, of Australia, red gum barbecue. Um, um, but but that's it. So educate me a little bit about, you know. If we're going to talk about barbecue in Australia and, you know, the sort of who's who of Aussie barbecue, um, if you would, you know, pay some homage to some of the, some of the people that are equivalent to our, like, you know, Johnny Trigg and those guys. Right. But then, you know, maybe you may throw a little love and spread a little sunshine on the names of some of the people who are like really now current doing it. Well, the the first one to uh, to mention has got to be Lucas, who's been watching this video and and commenting on this video. So yeah, he's from, um, and his products are legit the best. Yes, yeah. So Lucas is from Roland Smoke Barbecue, okay. and um, he is just like he's at the top of the spear there. Like he's he's really right up there. Um, you know, he uh, he has been invited to go compete over in the states in the past, and he's gone on gone on big road trip tours around competing in different barbecue competitions over there and all that sort of stuff. So he's, um, multiple grand champion trophy winning. Um, one of the funniest and nicest guys I've met on the, on the scene. He's, he, he's been a good friend of smoking on confessions for as long as smoking on confessions has been around. So the, the first, you know, hat tips got to go off to Lucas. I'd say there. um, Guys that have been lighting the scene on fire, if you'll pardon the pun, in the last 12 months has been Butcher's Axe out of Melbourne. Um, they pretty much had the season wrapped up by around March last year. It was just incredible. They had something like uh, across um, ABA and KCBS, they had something like five back-to-back grand champions one weekend after the next. That's, um, that's our crew t- that's Clark crew kind of gig. I mean, that's serious. Yeah. That's- yeah. 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 So off, off the back of that, they've released, um, a lamb rub called Hunter. And I did see a post from them about two days ago. They've, they've take, they're taking pre-orders for a beef rub. So that, that'll be interesting to get some of that and, uh, and give some of that a try. Cause I know that the Hunter rub is just sensational. It's really good. What, what are the, real quick, what are the components of that rub? I mean, not to, you know, obviously you're not going to get their secrets away, but flavor wise, like what kind of makes it work with lamb so well? Um, the Hunter rub is, it's kind of a traditional um, lamb sort of flavor. So there's, there's hints of mint, there's hints of rosemary in there. 
Um, lemon myrtle, which is a, it's a native herb here in Australia is, is really, really good with lamb as well. And there's a couple of different rubs that use lemon myrtle with lamb. Um, so shout out to barbecue mafia then I guess as well there as well. Cause I just, just thinking about the, the lemon myrtle in the lamb rub, I just cooked a leg of lamb on a rotisserie. Um, over an Ozpig there about two days ago, and I used the Ozpig. Uh, you have guys checked it. That that is <laughs> looking cookers, and it's very affordable. I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to break the bank, right? No, the uh, the basic Ozpig package starts at about three hundred bucks, and um, for for what it is, that's outstanding value. So it's 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 designed to be a portable cooking system. So it's it's designed to and it, and it does it uh, it all breaks down. Everything gets stored inside itself, and then it goes in a little carry bag. So if you go out camping, you can take it out with you. And it's a it's a heater slash fireplace slash cooker. And yeah, um, it really does look like a little like potbelly stove almost. Yeah, ex- it, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like a little potbelly stove, but it's like it's a bit bigger than a potbelly stove. And uh, they've got, you know, a thousand and one different attachments onto it. So depending on, on how you want to cook on it, you know, I've, I've got a, a rotisserie kit. They've got a, um, a smoker attachment that sits on the top and it basically, it kind of turns the Ozpig into like a bullet smoker. So you, you've got the fire down the bottom and then different, different grill levels in a, in a vertical chamber on the top. Um, they've got all sorts of different, uh, different grill plates for, you know, for, for grilling. Um, you can run it off, uh, with sticks. So it's a, like a, a live fire, like an open fire, or you can put charcoal in it and run a low and slow fire. Uh, which is how I did the, how I did the lamb leg the other day, just put a little bit of charcoal in the, in the bottom and, uh, ran like a low and slow fire with the lamb dripping down onto the coals. Um, which was sensationally delicious. And then last night I put the leftovers into a lamb and bacon pie, which was just sensational. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a good bit of fun. I've got that on the front deck. It, um, it lives out there with the PK360, which is good. Um, so if we're just sort of steering back to the big names. Um, sure. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, there's the, well, the, the competition ladder is looking pretty, uh, is, pretty quiet this year, as you can imagine. Yeah, um, of course. Now, hey, let me ask you this. You mentioned Jess Pryles, um, yeah. and, and she is, to my knowledge, the only person that has sort of a, let's call it a, a dual citizenship of barbecue, if you will, right? She's got a lot of fans here in the States, a uh, hardcore carnivore. If you haven't checked it out, guys, give it a look-see. Um, you know, does she, does she make a presence pretty strong, like on the normal basis over there as well? Um, she comes back a couple of times a year. Um, she has been coming back like a little bit less often, um, recently, but you know, that's naturally going to happen when you start to establish your life somewhere else, you know, she's, she's sure. married now and she's, yeah. she's settled in Texas and she's, uh, she's, she's a naturalized Texan. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. so, uh, Bluebird Barbecue crew is doing really well. Um, Aussie Pit Boys are doing well. Uh, my buddy Dave from Lick of Smoke, uh, currently sitting at number four on the, on the ladder there. Um, the Smoke and Crew, Country Boys Barbecue, Dan White, of course. Um, longtime friend of the show as well. Great guy. And, uh, 
when we were talking about Bangalore, sort of, you know, an hour ago, we we're talking about the, the mm-hmm. Bangalore barbecue competition. Um, yeah. The last time I uh, actually that that competition there, when I was talking about Michael hugging the firebox, I was uh, <laughs> there was there was Lucas Armstrong at on the end of the row with Roland Smoke Barbecue, and then Dan yeah. from Country Boys, and then us, and then um, Double Barrel Barbecue. So, you know, we're we're quite a close knit little uh, little community there. We all know each other, and we've we've sort of been hanging yeah. around together for a couple of years now, and all that. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, so, um. You know, there's one company, like, do you ever come across Lane's barbecue products there? Oh yeah. 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 Um, so Ryan Lane is, is, yeah. Like he's got a pretty strong, a remarkably strong presence in Australia, actually. Like, and he's not, he doesn't compete. He doesn't go out there. He just, he made a connection. I mean, I don't really know what that connection is that maybe you can help us understand a little bit. Um, I haven't, I haven't interviewed Brett, so I don't know, like I, I haven't got his story from him. Sure. Uh, okay. I've, I've asked him a couple of times. I think he's a little bit shy to, to get on microphone, but it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> it's like Jay Durbin with Moho, Tennessee Moho barbecue here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, just from, from observations, he, he's, and ha- having, you know, ha- just had a couple of personal one-to-one chats with him. He's one of the nicest guys out there. He's just, he's really genuine. Um, what you see is what you get with him. And he's been very generous to the competition barbecue scene. So sponsoring different events, sponsoring a whole bunch of different teams. Um, you know, that the, they've grown and expanded over the years. Um, and they've just taken on uh, Rachel as a general manager now. So, you know, the the Australian arm of the business is is definitely growing and doing really big things. Yeah. Yeah. And again, we're talking about Lane's barbecue. So, um, guys here in the States, check them out. I know that, uh, they're readily available and, you know, they, they have a lot of nice, interesting flavors. Um, you know, they're, they kind of mix and match and kind of mix it up a little bit. So, yeah. Um, so let's, let's kind of, I want to make sure I, whenever I talk to anyone, you know, I like to give them a chance to, you know, offer some general shout outs and good feels to people who play, you know, whether it's from a, a personal or a professional standpoint, right? Who play a, a markedly powerful role in their their lives, their careers. And Ben, I, I want to give you that opportunity as well. People that really kind of, you know, like have maybe had an influence on you, have helped you get to where you are now, kind of give you kind of that 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 push every now and again like who do we need to talk about to really give the the general shout outs and and, and good feels um so just in terms of my of my cooking my my personal cooking the the shout outs would have to go again to lucas and dan um for example at that competition when we were the the three of us were on the row there together they actually made a point of of uh not putting up any of the tent walls and actually said hey benny come over here look at this Look at this. Watch this. Watch me do this. Do this. Get this. You know. Wow. So um, they uh, wow. they like they use that competition to sort of That's take huge. under their wing and actually show yeah. me how they do their yeah. stuff, um, nice. which has greatly uh greatly influenced my my cooking. So uh you know, well, and it, it probably in, increase your appreciation, right? Of of what, though. I mean, I know as a as a podcaster and a person involved, uh, kind of on the periphery of barbecue. I'm shocked at the number of like barbecue judges, for instance, that don't stay after and talk and get to know the teams, right? And want to really learn the culture. So that's cool that they kind of gave you that level of insight and instruction. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because 
like particularly considering that that those two guys are multiple grand championship winning guys like they're they really know what's up like they they know their stuff so to just sort of see me sort of standing there like I'm a I'm a solid mid packer like I'll I'll be in the in the, in the in the in the in the in the middle to high of the mid pack hey that's uh, that's not terrible territory i mean it's not terrible no no yeah. it's it, it's definitely the best barbecue on my street that's respectable um, <laughs> king of the cul-de-sac yeah exactly yeah 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 um so i i guess in terms of my my cooking there's that in terms of uh smoking on confessions and the the overall brand of that there's been a couple of people who've always been really supportive of, of all of that. So of course there's my, my wife and son who are incredibly supportive and, and understanding and they, they love to get involved in, um, in as much of this stuff as they possibly can. And of course she's from Arkansas, which is great whenever I say, Hey, so uh, there's this thing happening um, uh, over in America with barbecue that I'd, I'd kind of really like to go to. Um, Sure. It's about no it's problem. about three hours drive from Arkansas. We can go see your family too. So uh, that, oh, that, yeah. that that does go a long way to. You are uh, king of the radius mapping on that deal. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the you know you you got uh, like Bretto from the Flaming Mongrels there. He's always been really supportive of Smoking on Confessions and um, Matt from uh, from Smoke and Sappers as well. Like they've they've always had my back and been in my corner. Uh, Anthony from Black Bark Barbecue has been a huge supporter. Um, and I, I, this whole conversation keeps looping back to Bangalore, but, uh, Anthony's first ever barbecue competition was with me, um, at, at that Bangalore competition as well. So yeah. the, the, the same time, um, in terms of the, the business side of smoking hot confessions, there's got to be shout outs go to, of course, the promoters that, that now hire me. So I don't get to compete as much anymore because, um, right. I've, I'm, I'm now working at more competitions than I was competing at. Um, yeah. so, uh, so like, I'm going to call this, I'm going to call this sponsor shout out time, but it may be, you know, just people who help to contribute economically to what it is you're doing. So we'll throw this up there. Yeah. A little, uh, little, how you doing? So yeah, let's, let's talk about some of the business folks that help you do what you do. Um, so there's, there's a couple of, of event promoters who, um, who hire me regularly for their events, which is beautiful and very much appreciated. And through the years we've built like a, you know, strong working relationship and that. So, you know, you've got Julian up here in, in Queensland with the Brisbane barbecue festival and the barbecue and beer road show and the sunshine coast, uh, barbecue festival. Um, Rob Moyer down in, uh, South Australia in Victoria, he's got, um, up in smoke. Meat Meat, Fireside, and uh, I'm mental blanking the last one now, Fat Trip, Fat Trip okay. Barbecue Competition. Cool. Um, so the, those are two of the promoters that have that have hired me the most often. Um, Jules from Jagged over in WA, uh, she and Stefan from the Mondo Community Warriors, um, mm-hmm. they run charity barbecue competitions. So I, I donate my, my time and services to that, but they, they do sure. pay for my, for my flight to go over there. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've been over there for, for two years running now. So that's, that's been beautiful to go over and meet the other side of the country. Nice. Um, yeah. Cause, cause as I said earlier, there's nothing in the middle of Australia. Right. So it's, it's like this huge divide between the. It's no joke. Forest. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, just, just to give people an understanding, what, what is the typical cost for you to fly from where you are to the opposite side of the country? I mean, if you had to guess, I know that varies from time to time and 
Um, I think when I went over in November last year, it was about a thousand dollars. Wow. For yeah. a return flight. Yeah. Yeah. So that's no yeah. joke, man. I mean, covering expenses no. is a big deal. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. Yeah. 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 Um, in terms of sponsor shout outs. So, um, I haven't competed as smoking or confessions for a long time. So I, I don't have, uh, like competition sponsors, but, right. um, sponsors of the, of the podcast, for example. Yeah. Huge. Huge. Um, there's that there's been some some regular sponsors there that I'd really like to recognize Abel from Clean Heat Charcoal um he's he's done a lot of sponsorship with the with the show and um again Jules from Jagged has done a lot of sponsorship with the show as well so you know if you if you're looking for charcoal head to uh, Clean Heat and if you're looking for some uh, Australian designed and manufactured uh smokers hit up Jagged for sure yeah yeah, I mean, and that's what it's all about, man. Like making sure that you nurture and take care of those relationships because you don't come by them easily. And um, like you said, there's a relationship and a trust factor involved that you want to make sure you take care of and let them know that you appreciate. So Ben, man, seriously, I mean, I think we've done a pretty good job. Hopefully, you know, everyone watching appreciates kind of the, the general sense of what we had to talk about tonight. Like I, my goal was to like I the fact that it was going to be upbeat and positive and awesome, that's a given because Ben's involved, right? That's easy. Check, check the box. There you go. Um, but you know, give a little bit of insight as to what's going on as far as Australian barbecue is concerned. Um, you know, it's the same deal I when I was talking with, you know, Brent and uh, the guys from Brazil, you know, it's always fascinating for me as an American to see um what components of sort of this style of cuisine, if you will, you know, um, get adopted, you know, whether it's Italy, Germany, like the Germans, the, the most cowboy hats I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. They love it. Like I remember, um, so after college, this is 1995. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Um, I uh, I went and lived with my brother and his family outside of Stuttgart, Germany, and they had a Fourth of July. I was there for about six months. Um, yeah, it was it was a tough life. Yeah, um, but uh, I I you know no beer ever anywhere to drink that was any good um, in Germany. Oh, yeah, no. Um, no meat, no beer it was awful. Um, you know, pretzels, deliciousness, um, spatzel, mm, so good. Um, so we have a situation where they had a 4th of July event and they invited people from the German economy to come on the base. Ben, you, you, you've never seen so many non-Americans in cowboy hats and belt buckles and cowboy boots in your whole life. And all they wanted to drink. And granted, it was the sort of Europe, Europeanized versions of these. So the alcohol was kicked up just a bit, but it was, you can guess it, Bud Light and Miller Light. You know, or Budweiser. Oh, really? That's it. That's, that's, that's what they wanted. And wow. I mean, the, the local Stuttgarter Hofbrau beer was so amazing and delicious. Like I couldn't wrap my brain around why they would want to be drinking this stuff, but. Yeah, it was just the cultural vibe. And in Italy, it's all about the black shirts and the belt buckles and the, you know, the dark jeans and the Jack Daniels. You know what I mean? Like, it's just cool to see how different cultures embrace parts of, you know, what we're all about. Down um, Panyuca in Brazil, sponsored by Jim Beam, right? And so it's it's all about it. And it's a really cool thing. And low and slow barbecue in Brazil has only been a thing for a handful of years, man. It's pretty new. And I know a couple of uh, 
of big name barbecue rub and sauce providers here in the States. I've been talking lately to and I'm like, Hey, um, you might want to look and see how you can get your products down there because fire, straight fire, bro. As far as like passion in the culture. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's nuts. So Ben, you've been generous with your time tonight. I appreciate it, man. It's always a pleasure. Uh, this is probably, um, the first time we've actually sort of spoken and seen each other face to face. You know, we did a podcast I together. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I appreciate it, man. Uh, thank I you think very you, much. I think I was a guest on your show just before yep. MBBQA last year. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And congratulations, by the way, guys, first place podcast, MBBQA. And I think first place website, right? Uh, second place website, first place, place website. podcast. Yeah. yeah we, 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 we did really well this year. At, yeah. At you, we got like seven awards or something. Yeah. So great. So great, man. And guys, look, check, check out, uh, smoking hot confessions, you know, Ben. maybe, maybe to round out the show, I'm going to ask you to, to creep in your brand a little bit. Can you, can you, can you push the button, man? Can you play the song? Can oh, okay. All right. A little flavor. Sure. Here we go. Hold on. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate your time tonight. And um, <clears throat> so uh, if you guys see any, <laughs> I'm okay, really. It's fine. Um, <laughs> any of the, um, the recordings of this will be on Facebook and YouTube. I'll shoot you a link to, both. Uh, well, you can see the, what the, the one on Facebook, I'll put a little thumbnail on the YouTube one with like, you know, basically something akin to what we did for the marketing for this podcast episode or the, yeah, great. I always say that podcast episode. What is this? This is a webcast episode. I don't even know what the, you know, vodcast, whatever this is. I think yeah. Yeah. Isn't yeah. Isn't the podcast. Yeah. Vod, vodcast. Ooh, yeah. man. See guys, look, don't sleep on Ben. He's got the terminology. <laughs> He's got the knowledge. He's your go-to source for all things. Awesome, yeah. fun, and good with barbecue. So thanks, man. Listen, um, when I end the broadcast here in a second, hang out. Let's chat for a quick bit. Uh, everybody else, guys, thanks for hanging out. You've been great. Your comments were awesome. Um, and uh, we'll catch you guys later. All right. Bye. And there you have it, family. That was the Barbecue Swapcast between the Barbecue Beat podcast and the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue podcast. I think I just managed to put the word podcast in the one sentence three times. That's a personal record. I'm going to have to write that down on my calendar and celebrate it every 12 months. <laughs> All right. Well, look, that was a lot of fun recording that with Kevin, and I'm, I'm sure that you've enjoyed it as well. Make sure you do look him up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all the rest of that. Follow his show and subscribe to it on the podcast apps. He does great work. He's also been recognized and awarded by the NBBQA. So do make sure you get into that and enjoy what he's offering as well. And that's the end of the show. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.